Okay. We are going to embark now in an excursion into lesson number 18. Still in the study with uh, Jennifer Rothschild, Missing Pieces. We are going to now do a lesson that's going to summarize or kind of close out the section of the lesson about uh, the question, God, do you hear prayer? And I think it's a good way to uh, summarize this lesson because there are some extra, extra things that we need to discover and we look at this. And we will do our best to conserve our voice because we got stuff going on later. Um, let's go ahead and get started by looking to the Lord with a word of prayer. Everybody is having good conversation. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come together as a group. We thank you for your very presence this morning. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches, enlightens, guides us, directs us, helps us along day by day. We thank you again for his presence, and we thank you for the promise of his presence as well, too, that you've given to us long ago. We thank you now that you help us to remember to think not just from a temporary way of thinking, but an eternal way of thinking as we look at your scriptures, as we look at your passages, as we look at your word. And we give you praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lesson number 18, the ultimate answer. The ultimate answer. So we are going to look at this now and go through it. It may take about a couple of weeks to do this one. We'll see how it goes. But let's get started with that. At the top of the handout, you should have it, Lesson 18. It's brand new. Um, And I think uh, they're still being passed out. But um, we're going to start at the top. Jennifer Rothschild speaks and says, I really don't think God plays favorites when it comes to football. The cranky guy snorted from the bleacher in front of us. At least he waited for Andrea to say the amen of her prayer before his big doctrinal pronouncement. I know, Andrea apologetically conceded, we just can't afford to lose this game. I listened quietly sitting beside her as she and Reverend Cranky had a brief theological discussion about prayer. A bunch of us middle-aged moms had gathered to watch our friend's son play football. We happened to be sitting on the home team side, and we were the visitors. I guess that's why Mr. Cranky felt if we were going to appeal to God for a win, it should at least be for his team. Now, I'm going to interject something, especially for some of you sports fans here who get pretty well wrapped up in Cleveland sports. A brief reflection. Now, today you know it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? The Cleveland Browns have never been to a Super Bowl. (laughs) That's shocking. They are one of only four teams that have never been. The others are the Houston Texans, expansion team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, an expansion team, and the Detroit Lions. Did you pray hard enough for your Browns? And why not? (laughs) 
The Cleveland Cavaliers defied all odds by being the first team in NBA history to come back from a 3-1 deficit to win the championship. Do you think that everyone who was rooting for the Cavs and LeBron James was prostrate and fasting for a week just before Father's Day in 2016? That was the game seven was on Father's Day of 2016. Were you praying out loud while talking to the television set? As you know, the Cavs won three straight games, two of them in Oakland, to defeat the Golden State Warriors. Does God really hear those kinds of prayers? And if he does, does he respond with an answer, you know, like if enough people pray for the red team, God will say, oh, okay, the red team wins. Now, before you think I am Reverend Cranky's evil twin, let me share this. When I was a college student, a well-known Christian singer came to our university to perform. His music was totally inspiring and engaging. After a few songs, he shared how he'd noticed that Christian dance clubs were beginning to pop up around the country. Of course, all the college students erupted in applause and whoop filled the arena. We were abruptly stopped as the singer interrupted our cheer with, don't you know there are people dying and going to hell, children starving and Christians are dancing? It took a moment for us to realize he was serious and seriously miffed at our clapping. He then proceeded to scold and shame us for even considering the notion of dancing when people are suffering. The rest of the concert felt more like being grounded or sent to our rooms. If I were at this concert with an awkward look on my face, I'd say, well, what's for dinner? Because it would be time time to leave. I felt like a Christian brother slapped our hands, sucked the joy out of our faith, and rained judgment down on us all. That is not what I want you to experience as we are thinking about this subject, especially if you've prayed for a football win or an empty parking spot before. You know how you're driving through a, spot, uh, a parking lot and you're looking for an empty space? And you, you want to try to find a space, right? So it's like, Lord, is there a space here available? <laughs> where I don't have to walk 75 miles to get to this place. This is a very interesting subject. I want you to look at this very closely. Okay. Andrea's heart was pure when she appealed to God for her football win. God heard her, and I bet he even smiled. I'm not condemning the content of anyone's prayer. I just want us to think about what God hears when we pray. Okay, so let's look at this. Now, perhaps you have some comments welled up inside of you about these statements. Feel free to discuss them, but please keep these points in mind. A, all of us may be at different stages of a development when it comes to prayer. Amen? Amen. All of us may be at different stages of development when it comes to prayer. B, There is nothing in Scripture that determines limitations when it comes to prayer. There's nothing in Scripture that limits you as to what you can pray about. Now, you have to use your own judgment as to, is it a good prayer? But there's nothing that limits you. So let's keep that in mind as we look at this subject. So remember, different stages of development... Nothing in Scripture that determines limitations when it comes to prayer. Let's turn over to Matthew 7, 
verses 7 through 8. We're on page 2 of the handout already. Matthew 7. Verses 7 and 8. Let's take a look at that. All of you should be familiar with this passage. Matthew 7, 7. It's almost like a, a thing where you remember it because you know that it has a common number. It's something you can always keep in mind. But it's the ask, seek, and knock passage. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Consider how God hears and answers our prayers. So let's see what what is Jesus saying here about prayer. Look at your handout. What three verbs does Jesus tell us in Matthew 7, 7 to employ when we pray? Ask, seek, and knock. So you can just write those in. Ask, seek, and knock. And it's good to look at those words as they stand on their own when you write those down. Ask, seek, and knock. He's giving you direction as to prayer and what it involves. Because understand that all three of those words mean different things but they're giving direction. And what are the results listed in verse 8? When you look at that, what are the results listed in verse 8? Receives, finds, opened. The door is going to be opened. It's going to be an opening. Receives, finds, an opening. The door is opened. Okay? Now, these are practical results that Jesus is giving us if we're asking, seeking, and knocking. You're going to see results. When a scientist does an experiment, he's looking for results from that experiment based upon whatever the content of the material is that he's using. We typically are looking for results, too, when it comes to answers to prayer. Amen? Amen? Amen. We are looking for answers. We're not just praying in vain. We're not just praying for the sake of just uttering words. We are looking for answers when we pray. Otherwise, why pray? There is a direct correlation between asking, seeking, and knocking, and knowing that there will be results when they take place. We ask, seek, and knock, and then receive, find, and experience an open door. Does that mean we can ask, seek, and knock even about football games? Hmm. Now, I, 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 I expect to see different faces. I see smiles, I see frowns, I see smirks. I fully expect that. Fully expected it, and I think when Jennifer wrote this, I think she probably expected the same thing. I want you to think. Remember what we just said before. Does God limit us as to what we can pray about? No. No. Okay. Well, that kind of answers the question a little bit. There's no limitation. 
Now, does it mean that it's necessarily going to be something that's going to come out in our favor just because we do it? Let's be practical about it. He gives you an answer. I know, this thing is, this thing, this thing is doing uh, a number on me right now. One of those clip-on mics might be better in the future. We'll see. Anyway, here we are again. Okay. Isn't a football win sort of like asking for bread or fish when Jesus compared God to a good father who gives bread when it's requested, not a stone or a snake? Think about that. So we've kind of come to the conclusion, yes, we can pray about the outcome of a football game. And we can even pray about what happens even during a football game, just using it as an example. You know, if a player gets hurt, what do you want to do? You want to pray that that person gets well and gets better. You know, when a person gets injured on the field, I see players kneeling on the field sometimes to make sure that person gets up because they get injured. And you don't want them to have... An injury, a paralysis injury or something like that. So it's all infused in everything that we do. It's not something to be trivialized. Okay. Let's look at what Matthew 7.11 says. It's right there on the handout. I've used the Holman Christian Standard Version. This is, remember, the comparison about like asking for a bread or a fish. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, I was kind of making fun and playing a joke a little bit about, you know, the Cavs and the Browns earlier. You know, were you praying hard enough for those teams when they were playing? Did you pray a certain way? Did you look for a certain outcome when those things happened? Well, there's no limit to what you can pray about. A lot of people will say that's so trivial for you to pray about something like that. But yet... We know that there was a good outcome. I'm sure people were praying for the Cavs to win. Um, Especially Game 7, right? Okay. So is it a bread or a fish comparison? I don't know. Let's talk about it a little bit more. How did Jesus conclude the Father-God comparison in Matthew 7-11? What was the Father-God comparison in Matthew 7-11? It's right there in front of you. Just look at it real quick. You have an evil father and a good father. Father God is the good father. Father is the evil, the evil father, but God, the God in heaven was, is going to give you abundantly more if you ask for it. In other words, even an evil father knows how to do good things. Amen? Amen. Even one who practices evil still knows how to do good things. I mean, his character may be terrible, but he does know how to do good things. How much more will God do for you? Abundantly more. Everybody get that? Make sense? Now, this is all part of the Matthew 7, 7 passage. This all goes and continues down and makes you think about God's going to do so much more for you if you just give matters to him. And we're not just talking about football games. Sometimes we Christians will pray about the heavy-duty stuff, but not the small stuff. And that's only doing what? Limiting your potential of seeing God's blessings. Because sometimes God blesses us in the small things. 
Amen? Everything is not like a World War III experience. Some small things have to be recognized because those are those small things that help you get by day after day after day, especially if you're having a, a, a rotten time in life. We all have seasons of life where sometimes we have really bad times. When you see God bless us in the small things sometimes to get us through day by day by day. If earthly fathers who are evil give good gifts to their children, how much more will your heavenly father give those things to who ask him? Now the Greek word at the end of the verse translated good, which is agatha, is a plural noun form and refers to the plural good gifts in the phrase that comes right before it. More than one good gift is acknowledged. God promises to give us good gifts. What could those possibly be? And then Jennifer writes in football wins. Well, in the case of the Browns, that's been pretty, pretty sad. Okay. Is it a promise, though? Let's think about it. I mean, I don't know. Does anybody here really pray for the Browns or anything like that? Or pray for a football team? Or pray for a high school team? I know what I pray for. I would love to see if somebody win that I'm rooting for. Like, I'm a big Georgia Bulldogs fan. Everybody, anybody who knows, I follow Georgia Bulldogs because typically they win more than the Browns do, okay? But the Georgia Bull, and in fact, the Georgia Bulldogs have been to the national championship game recently. So they have a pretty good football team. But typically when I pray, I'd like to see them win, but I'm not praying so much about the win as much as just a good game. Just play well, play hard, play like you don't, don't do dumb penalties, don't do silly mistakes, don't do things that are going to hurt the team, that type of thing. Yes? I was waiting for the Spoltz guy to speak up. I knew he was going to say something. Uh, usually during the anthem, I'm praying, I don't want to pray for win. I pray for the, the kids. For sure. The safety, that they play to their potential. Yep. And that no one gets hurt. You know, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Because uh, the outcome is the outcome. The outcome is the outcome. Whether you win or lose. But how you, to me, how you play the game is, is important. Absolutely. If you play, the great thing about basketball and, and, and I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but now we have this thing about March Madness and you have these teams from different parts of the country and teams at different levels. If a team that is not highly ranked plays a perfect game, has a chance to be a really good team. That's the great thing about basketball. It's a totally different type of game. Even in the NBA, you know, a good team can have an off night and a bad team can beat them. But you're praying for a good outcome. You're praying, you know, you're praying for players not to get hurt, players to do things. And when I say prayer, understand something. <clears throat> We're not necessarily talking about doing like this. Sometimes it's spoken out loud. It's something that you think about. You know, that's what prayer is. You know, when you're driving down the middle of the road, you're not going to take your hands off the wheel and do like this. Amen? You're not going to close your eyes while you're driving down the street. You're not going to do those things. You're only going to do what makes sense, first of all. You're going to keep your hands on the wheel. You're going to keep your eyes open, but you can still 
verbalize what you're thinking. Anyone else? I thought I saw another hand. I want to make sure. Yes, go ahead. Amen. Amen. Right. Good sportsmanship, yep. No sh- <laughs> Yes. All of those things do come into play nowadays, don't they? And you know what? You just made me think of something, though. The fact that we're praying for good outcomes in sports, what are you showing your kids when you do that? You're showing them an example of what's really important. You're giving an example about what your approach is to this whole thing. You still want them to play hard, give their best, don't do anything silly, do the things that are necessary to help your team win, but you're showing them an example of what it is to be Christ-like. That's what you want to see. That's what you want to show people. I challenge you to maintain an open mind here when it comes to God's response to your prayers. I think some of this is deliberately provocative to expand your thinking. Many of us have hidden barriers when it comes to God's ability to act. Prayer response is one of those barriers. We limit ourselves as to what we seek God for. That's a barrier. That's a barrier. Now, what's important to you may not be important to me. But what's important to you, I would not trivialize. You see what I'm saying? You might think it's really important to pray for, you know, a really bad team. And I say, why are you wasting your time praying for a bad team? Well, that's trivializing it. And that's not right for you. If you want to pray about something, you pray for it. Ultimately, we know that according to God's will, whatever happens is going to happen. If you're praying in his will, then that's where the Matthew 7, 7 passage comes in. Ask, seek, and knock according to what? God's will. Okay. What do you think good gifts mean? Going back up to Matthew seven eleven, What do you think good gifts, can't say that too fast, good gifts means? Especially if you've got a hole in your teeth. Yes, go ahead, I'm sorry. Beneficial to the receiver. Beneficial to the receiver. Beneficial to the receiver. You're the recipient. Whatever it is, what we call good gifts, is beneficial. There is a benefit. Now, let's talk about benefits. What's the benefit? What are the benefits? Yeah. What's the ultimate? What are the benefits of good gifts? Encouragement. Yes. It's a blessing. Blessings are, are good. That's a benefit. You're receiving a benefit. It helps you to grow. It helps you to grow in what way, though? You're seeing God working in your life. The good gifts 
our benefit that you're experiencing and you're growing in your relationship with him. It increases your faith, absolutely, because if you don't hear anything from God ever, how, what does that do to your faith? It makes it shaky. You have to have affirmation of God's presence in order for you to maintain your faith. I promise you, if you never saw God acting in any way, shape, or form, you would have zero faith. And I mean that sincerely. Zero faith. You have to see him working in your life. You can just say God is good all the time, but if you don't see that, how do you, how do you correlate that? We have a lot of catchy phrases sometimes in Christianity. God is good all the time, all the time God is good. If you don't experience God, how do you know that? Yes, Debbie. That's right. Okay. Now my son was home a couple of weeks ago, and he put up, uh, damaged my one of my spreads in my room. It was like bleach off, big bleach. Where's this bleach thing? You know? <laughs> and so I said, I got to get another spread here. So you know, I had my thirty oh. percent off down there. So I go down there. I said, you know, I'm gonna give me a spray down there. You know, God gave me a, a whole this lady filled with it. This is whole bag of, of stuff, yeah. and I was like, like the holes in your whole bed, bed thing. You know, Now, Debbie just said something, though, that's very, very interesting in that conversation. I had heard that story before, and I said, oh, I know where she's going. He knows exactly who you are, your personality. That's why I'm not going to make fun of what you pray about. Don't make fun about what I pray about. Because God knows exactly what makes me tick, and God knows exactly what makes Debbie tick, and God knows exactly what makes Lynn tick, and what makes Faith tick, and Mark tick. Those are the things that he is sensitive to because he knows who you are. And so he is going to respond to you personally with these good gifts based upon knowing who you are and what you are seeking to do. Because you're being faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. That's what you need to understand about prayer and how this all works. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yes. What could be wrong with that? I'll help a lot of people. Yes. I'll do all these great things. They don't get it, and they're like, what? And it's like, okay, think about it. God knows who your friends are. Yep. Who your acquaintances are. Maybe somebody in there would do you harm. Yeah. Money. That's true. It's too much temptation for them to walk away. Okay. So he doesn't give you the money, and you're like, but I prayed, and it was a good thing, and I was going to do all these great things, and God said, I had a better gift than mine. I wanted to keep you safe. Amen. Wow. I didn't want you to start depending on that money and stop depending on me. That's right. It means you'd look up one day and be so far away from your faith, you'd have this long trip back. That's why I didn't give you the money. Mm-hmm. But that was a good thing. Yeah, that's it right. It looked like a bad thing. Yes. 
and it's trivial because you should necessarily pray for that or not pray right. for it, but that's an example of us thinking that we know better yeah. of all these things we do, and then God says, yeah, but I can see this about your life, and I can see this over here, and I can see where that money would cause you more harm than good, so you're not getting it. Okay, that's a pretty good example of that. The other thing we need to keep in mind, too, is about our prayers. Remember, they still need to be in His will. In His will. You know, I mean, is it a waste of time to pray for a million dollars? No. Is it practical in God's will? Look, I've seen folks, I've seen money change folks. Okay? And not for good. So now, that's the other thing we had to keep in mind, too, is that, yes, we may have a very noble way of thinking right now in our humble existence. Okay? But money changes people sometimes. And God knows the needs of every individual. There's plenty of money out there already. People can help the poor all the time. There's ways to take care of poor people and do things for the poor. If you're really concerned about it, give to charities. Give a little. Give something. I've locked in on some charities that I give to, including the Alliance Fund. Because there's a need for that. Rather than worrying about you being the one to be the, the world rescuer of all people because you get a million dollars, just start giving to charities. I'm sorry. You, somebody had their hand. Okay. God hugs. Okay, that's a good. That is a God hug. I mean, ten dollars for a hundred dollar spread and pillows is yeah. Also, when I pray, I give him thanks for answering the prayers. I don't have symptoms. Okay. Okay. Answering the prayers, give him thanks for answering the prayers that I don't have sense enough to pray. Okay. Good deep thinking here. I like it. This is hopefully giving you a little bit of more uh, information about prayer and stretching your mind a little bit, too. Sometimes, remember, we were saying in the previous lessons here, God doesn't answer prayer, and sometimes it's for your own good. And sometimes he does answer the prayer. And sometimes he answers the prayer and he gives you an answer you weren't expecting. And that wasn't necessarily a good answer in the case of Habakkuk. But yet he's still answering. He is listening. He is responding. Because we see that in verse 8 of Matthew 7. You will be given a response. Yes, Laura. Yeah, oh yeah. It's un- according to his, it, he's the one who's in control. He's answering according to what? According to his will and according to what makes perfect sense. But he's still showing you, even in that, how much he loves you. He's still showing you those things. If winning the big football game is a big deal to you, it's not like he's laughing at you for praying that. Yeah, I think... I'm loving this now. I'm seeing hands shooting up all the time. Making you think a little bit more. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, I, I like what Debbie said. You know, while it may be small to one person, mm-hmm. another person may think playing for a game is ridiculous. But mm-hmm. well, God wants to be, and I've heard Ms. Sheffield, in every detail of our life. Absolutely. I mean, I mean just, just the small things mm-hmm. that 
Yep. And then I may think it's a good deal or think that, yeah, I need to pray even about bumping that toe or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And Miss Debbie, I, I, I did share with Miss Debbie last year, me and my husband, we had furnished everything else in the house we wanted. We got down to the, to the living room. I yep. wanted the one couch in the living room and I searched and, you know, it was just three grand, Miss Debbie. And yeah. Wrapping, we got it for three hundred ninety-nine dollars. Mm-hmm. And yeah. y'all really holler when y'all tell when I tell y'all where we found it from. Who finds furniture in the grocery store? Amen. Everybody walks this you do. house and say that that is a beautiful car. And when we did the research and, and found mm-hmm. out where it came from, it came from one of the most expensive stores around, Ashley Furniture. Yes. There you go. That's where the grocery store got it from. And we, I mean, we left it there. We were at the mm-hmm. church one Sunday. We had to be back here. We didn't feel like trying to hustle, take some clothes off, to get that couch home or whatnot. So we looked at each other and said, okay, you're off on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It was one white couch there. If it is here still Tuesday, mm-hmm. it was meant for us. Okay. And it was there Tuesday. There you go. So we got I'll come up back over there. Go ahead. I think in the whole process, my mind pulls back to the idea that God's character shouldn't be up for grabs every time we pray. Right. In other words, if we pray and we know this is the guy who says, I will give you good gifts, then whatever we get back is a good gift. That's right. His character shouldn't be, I didn't get what I want, so now I don't know if God's good or not. So that's baloney. God's character yeah. doesn't change. That's the right. don't change. You might not get the answer you want, but you're, it's still to be seen whether that was actually a good idea or not. And it might be a matter of not necessarily not getting the good thing, not getting it right now. That's right. We don't like to wait either. Yep. And she was bleeding off the bed story, too, to show how big God is. He knew she was angry with her son. Yes. And he did not want to see that. Yeah. He did not want to see that altercation. Okay. And so God said, you know, I'm in her business because she's mm-hmm. my daughter, so mm-hmm. I'm going to fix this right now. Okay. Very good. Those bleach spots can be very painful. I'm going to tell you that right now. Now, I want you to see... Oh, Big Jim, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm going to say this. Since Mark is not going to say it, I'll say it for him. Okay. Uh, Mark is the head basketball coach at North High School. Yes. They had an article in the paper about him 
The Lord took him three years to turn that program around. He's been praying for that team. I know he's been praying for it because he just told me he's been praying for the team. Okay. And this past week, he beat a couple of two top teams in the city. So, and he's been praying for it. And the Beacon Journal recognized him, and they put an article in the paper about Mark. Okay. Very good. Now, I want you to see the multiplier effect. I think I used that term last week. The multi- I don't even know how I'm remembering anything that I said last week, but I... The multiplier effect. What happened to Debbie, what happened to Pearl and Walter, they won't forget that story because it was so magnificent. So that thing is going to stick with them for the rest of their lives. They'll share this information to other people to see God's goodness. If you just pray about even the small things, God is going to show you good gifts. There's a multiplier effect because now you've heard other people have heard the story. Like, why am I trivial? Why am I not praying for little things too? Look what can happen. And for those of us who know about going through hard times, sometimes that's all you can pray about is small things. Moment by moment, minute by minute, Lord, get me through this next half hour. Lord, help me get through this next hour. That's a big thing to a person who's really struggling. Prayers like that may seem small in the grand scope of things, but ultimately they are huge when it comes to God showing you his goodness because of how he answers. Go back to Matthew 7, 7. He is not going to withhold from you something that's going to be beneficial to you and your faith and your walk in Christ. He is not going to withhold from you Anything that is going to testify about his goodness. We'll not do it. We always have to keep in mind that there's no limit to prayer, but if it's in his will, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. And sometimes those prayers are short-term prayers, and sometimes they're long-term prayers, because we need to understand, too, that we are looking for long-term responses, too, as far as what God does for us. Amen? Good health, a good life, a way of ministering to other people, being able to minister to other people, taking care of yourself, to be available for other people and speak to them and talk to them about Jesus Christ. Those are all part of how God gives good gifts to you. Hey, health, good health is a good gift. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pray, yeah. Yeah. God doesn't want us always praying at 30,000 feet. You understand what I'm saying with that? He doesn't always want us praying general prayers at 30,000 feet. He wants us down much lower than that. 5,000 feet, 3,000 feet, whatever it is. Getting down in the details. You can see more the closer you are to the ground. You ever flown in an airplane? You can't see nothing except clouds up in the air at 30,000 feet. 
Well, as you're getting ready to take off and landing, what can you see? You can see houses, you can see cars, you can see the freeway, you can see all kinds of things. God wants us praying like that. Details. Specificity. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to see his goodness, not just at 30,000 feet, but at 300 feet. That's what he wants from us. That's what he wants us to do to expand upon your way of thinking about this thing called prayer. Faith just said it. Praying about everything. Praying about making good decisions. Amen? Hey, making good decisions when it comes to finances, that's always a plus. Couponing. Go ahead. Yeah. So therefore, everything that we teach, instead of stamping a Bible verse on it, you need to look to see where God is in it. Amen. Because I'm teaching now, that's hard sometimes. Because you're trying, I'm teaching American Revolutionary War, some other things. Yeah. So you're going, okay, Lord, where are you in this? How do you, you know, how do you, and sometimes I'm praying through the lesson, and as I'm teaching, boom, the thought will just come. Okay. I'm here. Right. Okay. Oh, I 100% agree with you there. Trust me. I absolutely agree with what she's saying. You know, teachers have a real challenge sometimes to make sure that they're engaging the students, but also even engaging ourselves and making sure that what we're teaching is not just stuff that, uh, you know, it'll be forgotten after about five minutes. You want people to be engaged. God is the one who does that. God is the one who is engaging people and wanting them to learn more about the American Revolution, or whatever, U.S. history. U.S. history is one of the most fun subjects I took in high school. Because there was just so much. It was so rich. There's so much to learn. Okay. If you look at the context of Jesus' words in Matthew 6 and 7, you'll find good gifts connected to developing your character. God's good gifts lead to you and me giving, praying, forgiving, Fasting, storing up treasure, not worrying, eating, and being wise. You see what it does? If you're looking at the totality of life, because God is showing you the good gifts through your prayers, you turn into a different and better person. And you're truly seeking after him in all these aspects. That's what we need to see here. So if you go back and look at chapters 6 and 7 in Matthew, he's showing you these very things. Now that's our stopping point. We're going to pick up next week. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you? No? Okay. All right. That's our stopping point. So this good discussion today. Go back and look at Matthew chapter 6 and 7 on your own. And also, find that passage that talks about what God does taking care of the birds and how much more he can do for you if he's taking care of all the birds and the animals. Go and find that passage as well, too. Think about that, because that's exactly the application that we would use here as well, too. You would think that birds and stuff like that are trivial. Some people might think that. Well, they're part of who we, what was created by him. Matthew 6.25, is that the passage? And down. And down. Okay, great. It's right there. 
So go back and look at Matthew chapter 6 and 7 and look at those very things. 25 to 31. Okay, great. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for helping us to see how we need to approach you when it comes to prayer. Lord, there is nothing in your word that says we can't pray about anything. But we do understand that if it's according to your will, that's when we will see responses and results. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your encouragement. We thank you for showing us those little moments, those good gifts, where because we don't see a way, you provide a way. You show us a way. We just thank you for that. We pray now for the upcoming message, Lord, that you be glorified in what's being said. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. See you next time.